speak on the subject here in our church covenant and I don't know maybe this has always been the, but it seems <coughs> to me in Christendom the most highly controversial aspect of sanctified living and that is our third paragraph here uh, to abstain from the sale of and use of intoxicating drinks as a beverage we've in also engaged to do that mm -hmm. we're not going to drink beer wine liquor, hard lemonade, hard tea. We're not going to buy it. We're not going to drink it. We're going to abstain from it. We're not going to purchase it for other people. I don't see how that's so complicated. I felt led the Lord to read this verse, and it seems in my lifetime that this has really gotten, that they've muddied the water on this. It really has. I've been to people's homes, and they say they're Christians, they say they believe the scriptures on it, but you go in and I've opened up the fridge, I've opened up fridges of people who are so-called deacons and ministers of churches, and they've got... Hard liquor. They got liquor cabinets. They've got beer in their fridge. They've got wine. And I've opened it up and I, I you know, because I was there working and put my lunch, asked, can I put my lunch in your fridge to keep cold? Sure, help yourself. Put it in there and there it was. Listen, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It says woe unto them. The word woe there means judgment. Judgment. Now, the eight, in the 18th century, there was what was called a temperance movement. And that was in effect, and, and it's not really in effect anymore, is it? I don't have the statistics. You can look them up. You can, I think just about anybody here has got access to the internet. And we can look them up in our own time. But you can look up the statistics on alcohol and liquor. And you can see what destruction it has caused in society. And not just accidents on the road. I've been to a lot of domestic violence disputes. Men against women, women against men. You'd be surprised how many women beat up men. You'd be shocked. Alcohol does not cause domestic violence. It is learned behavior. Right. Right. But not one domestic violence dispute 
that I went to did not involve alcohol. It doesn't cause it. It is learned behavior. You learn it from someone else. But not one that I went to was it not involved. But there was a movement a few hundred years ago and they denounced wine. And it had an effect spiritually. And that's where grape juice got really came about in the Lord's Supper. That's where a lot of people went away from wine in the Lord's Supper. But this has nothing to do with the Lord's Supper and elements used as we observe the Lord's Supper. In fact, Brother Four, he preached, a, a brought a great lesson uh, some years ago uh, in a Sunday school hour when he was here on so, uh, social drinking, if you remember that. And certainly it's something that needs to be mentioned again. It's something that needs to be taught, not just from the pulpit, but needs to be upheld among our young people. Something that needs to be said because they're not being taught to distinguish, as the Bible says, one to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light, light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. It's not being distinguished between them and taught them, and they're growing up, and then generationally, they're not, they're not being taught things. There are many scriptures in the Word of God that speak on the very subject of abstaining from using intoxicating drinks as a beverage. I'd like you to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. And I know a lot of folks will say, well, it's okay as long as you don't get drunk. That seems to be where people are at today. They like to say, well, it's okay as long as you don't get drunk. Isn't that the excuse that people use? Well, I know a preacher, he said, well, if it takes ten drinks to get drunk and you drink one, well, you're one-tenth drunk. I mean, let's be honest here. Genesis chapter 9. Isn't it a marvelous thing? The grace that God extended unto Noah. How that Noah, God, he was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. 
He moved with fear. He believed God and moved with fear. He had never seen rain before. It had never rained. And God said, listen, I'm going to destroy the earth, build an ark. And He did. And He preached righteousness and God saved him, his wife, his three sons and their wives. And all those animals and all that transpired. And then God remembered him and He set him out. And the Bible tells us that he began to grow a vineyard. Verse 20. Genesis 9.20 And Noah began to be a husbandman and planted a vineyard and he drank of the wine and was drunken and he was uncovered within his tent. Hand the father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. I mean, he cursed his own son, didn't he? We find here that wine is a tool of shame to Noah. Look further in Genesis 19. Look at all that transpired here in, 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 uh, in the life of Lot. Genesis chapter 19. And I want to read verse 30. It says, And Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in a mountain, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zor. And he dwelt in a cave, and he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her, with her father, and he perceived not when she lay down or when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare and called his name Moab. The second name is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son, and called his name Benami, the same as the father of the children of Ammon, unto this day. This resulted in Lot's debauchery of his own daughters, and brought fornication to the house of Lot. Do you think Lot would have done that if he wasn't drunk? Do you think he would have done that if he wasn't under the influence of this wine and alcohol? I don't think he would have. 
You see, these things remove inhibitions, don't they? Right. And you know, things haven't changed, have they? People do things that they wouldn't normally do. And they permit things that they normally wouldn't permit. Look over in, the, in what the Bible says, and maybe you'll remember this from our study in Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Ephesians 5 and verse 18, if you remember our study when we studied about love. And remember the Bible says that love is a fruit of the Spirit. And the Spirit, He has to produce love. And, you know, you and I can't just one day say, well, I'm going to be more loving. We can't conjure up love. Well, it has to be born of the Spirit. Well, here in Ephesians 5, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and notice if you would here in verse 18, notice what the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, the Ephesians, these church members, notice what he's saying. He says, and, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Remember what he's saying. Be under the in, influence of the Spirit of God. Don't be under the influence of wine. Don't be under the control of wine. Don't be under its uh, uh, abilities but be under the control of the Spirit of God. That's what children of God are to be under the control of. When's the last time people wanted to be under the control of the Spirit of God? When did you ever hear somebody argue about that? You never hear anybody argue about that. But they'll argue about this. They'll argue about, well, I don't think this or I don't think that. About buying and consuming these intoxicating drinks. Look, if you would, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 21. Proverbs, chapter 21. And there's an abundance of verses. Proverbs 21. We'll not be able to go over all of them this morning. Proverbs 21 and verse 17. And I want you to observe here these verses. And again, God has put... He, he lets it be known. And, and you can observe and you can look in the commentaries how the Jews, how they used to water down their wine. And, and to make it so, I mean, the alcohol content was so minimal. And drunkenness was, it was a capital offense. Can you imagine if we did that today? In our country, in our nation today, it would take care of a lot of problems, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. 
Proverbs 21. I know a lot of people say, well, people are self-medicating. Well, I'll tell you this much. I understand things, but I tell you this. You cannot self-medicate sin. It has to be medicated with the healing balm of Gilead, the Lord Jesus Christ. You read that in the book of Jeremiah. Proverbs 21, verse 17. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. And that is so true. It's so true. Look over Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Verse 29 and 30. Proverbs 23, verse 29. Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. I mean, it just reads like a, like a real life, uh, uh, I mean, it just reads exactly how it is. And so we believe in agreement with these scriptures that we are to abstain from the sale and use of it. And this really offends people. We say as members of the Bible Baptist Church, we're not going to buy... Liquor, alcohol, beer, wine, we're not going to buy it and we're not going to use it as a social drink. We're not going to go and we're not going to order it at restaurants. We're not going to buy it at stores. We're not going to take it home and we're not going to consume it. That's not what we're going to do. Because of what these scriptures say. And that offends people. That will offend, I know some church members get offended about it, say, well, alcohol, some people say, well, alcohol, it gets me, it gets me going. Well, it'll get you going all right. But alcohol is not a stimulant. It's a narcotic. Now, it's not classified as a narcotic because it's not under the law as a narcotic by the uh, Food and Drug Administration. But it is a narcotic in the sense that it causes you to go to sleep just like an opiate does. And we're to abstain from it. Notice, if you would, in the 30... Uh, 31st chapter of Proverbs the Bible speaks about some uses for it and we recognize this and I can tell you this that there are a lot of people who don't They'll say, well, I use it for this. Well, you don't. You use it for a whole lot of other reasons. They're just lying through their teeth. They're abusing the scriptures. They're no different than those who rest the scriptures. 
who pervert the Scriptures. Listen to Proverbs uh, 31, verse 4, where it says here, the words of King Lemuel, he says, verse 4, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. It's not for them. It's not for them. Doesn't the Bible call us kings and priests? Verse 6, Give strong drink unto, unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. What's it used for? It's used for what is called a cordial. And a cordial, it's a medical purpose. It's used for those who are about to die. You remember when they gave Christ that vinegar on Calvary? That, that's a cordial. That, that was a medical purpose. And that would be something that you would give someone a strong drink. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. Why? To ease the pain. That's, that's what it would be for. That was what it was used for. It wasn't to have a jolly good time. Oh, it's Monday. It's Margarita Monday. That's not what it was. Oh, the game's on. It's Friday. Let's spend the entire check. Neglect our families. Like so many do today. Kids don't have shoes, don't have clothes, don't have the things they need, but the parents are are drunk as all get out. Stop on a Friday on the way home to get some uh, uh, gas, going to the gas station to pay for it. Cannot believe the amount of people in line. Guess what they're all getting? Alcohol and lotto tickets. And cigarettes or cigars or black and milds. Some of them need to buy a belt. But their kids, they ain't got hardly any clothes on. They ain't got no shoes on. It's terrible.
We'll go over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Here's the one people like to, to say, and they abuse this scripture a great deal. This was the sanction that was used for the use of strong drink was as a medicine or an anesthetic for those who are about to die. 1 Timothy 5.23 It says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Evidently, Timothy had some infirmities and he was supposed to use some uh, little wine to help with those things. I don't know what they were. My, my doctor, he's, he had a heart attack and he passed away uh, years ago when I had a broken rib. I remember going over to the clinic. I had to pick up some stuff. Uh, and I said, you don't look too good, doc. He goes, yeah, I'm not feeling real great. And, and found out like two weeks later he'd had a heart attack and he passed away. But that doctor, I remember I had a, a real bad respiratory. I think it was when we had that family, uh, family Bible camp. And I went to see him and he said, I want you to go get some brandy or something to help with your cough. I said, I'm not getting brandy to help with my cough. He goes, why not? And I said, because I'm not using liquor to help with my cough. He said, it's the best thing in the world. He goes, I know a lot of pastors, y'all don't drink. I said, let, let me tell you this. I said, he goes, there's nothing you can tell me. I said, I can't walk into Publix liquor and walk out and keep my testimony. But I can go into Publix and walk out with a cough medication with codeine and I can keep my testimony. He said that's the best answer I've ever heard in all my years of practice. He wrote me a script. I said I can't do it. I remember we took the Lord's Supper and we had to go buy wine. We were out. And dad took two church members with him. He took a church check and he had the tax ID certificate with him and did all that he could do to make sure people knew that he wasn't buying it for himself. I mean, there's only so much you can do. And that was the only thing we bought. We didn't have any groceries. We didn't have anything else. That was it. And, you know, you buy that uh, Meshevitz Jewish grape wine that's used for, you know, the Jewish Passover or for the Lord's Supper. But these were the only things that were sanctioned in scriptures. Look over to uh, Habakkuk. I know we don't turn there often, but we... Every other Sunday we say the books of the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 15. 
<clears throat> and I want to read this verse, and there's many others, but I will, I'll turn to another one after this. It says, Habakkuk 2.15, it says, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunk, also that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be in thy glory. That is exactly what happens in a lot of these places. I mean, this is, read that to yourself again. Him that giveth his neighbor, and this just means, the word neighbor means to another. Woe to him that giveth his, his neighbor, or woe to him that giveth another drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Thou art filled with shame. You know what that sounds like to me? Just about every high school and college experience that I never experienced. Thank God. Because that's what goes on. I remember watching a TV show. I called a friend of mine. I goes, I really enjoyed the football aspects of it, but I didn't. I, I said the party stuff. I goes, that I don't think that's what goes on. He goes, I don't know where you were at, but that's exactly what happened. I goes, well, it didn't happen where I was. But that's what goes on. Because it removes inhibitions. Turn over to, I think it's 2 Corinthians, I want to look, verse 6. And I'll, I'll say, I want to say this in closing. Second, or 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians, verse 6. I always mix these two up. I, uh, And I, I, I don't say this boastfully. I used to, but I don't anymore except boasting in the Lord. I, I, I used to boast in myself, and then God said, okay. And he just pulled his hand back, and then some things I boasted in, um, you know the verse there in 1 Corinthians said, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Um, yeah, I fell. And I'm not talking about my right arm. There were some things that I had never done. And I kind of took pride in that. And then God pulled his hand back. And then I did them. And God said, okay. Now, remember that. And I ain't forgotten yet. I've never drank because God kept me from it. He kept, he kept me from it. And I, I firmly believe and I am convicted that as the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we ought to abstain from the appearance of evil. I don't go to restaurants that serve alcohol because I don't want 
to be around it. I don't want people to think I'm in there drinking. Even a little bit. I don't go to casinos for a $5.99 all-you-can-eat lobster buffet. I remember they put one up near Wichita and people in our town there, people were all say, oh man, they're going to have lobster and shrimp and you can get it for this and it's going to be great and all the entertainment stuff. And I said, folks, you're going to ruin your testimony. You're going to ruin your testimony. Because you're going to be around there and all the things, all that sin, and pretty soon you're going to partake of it. You see, that's the slippery slope is always one. And Satan may take a thousand years, but the slippery slope has always won. I mean, some of you have been around a lot longer than I have, but I'm getting to be there. I can remember things 30 years ago when things were considered to be quite sinful. Not anymore. Things in the late 80s that people used to go, oh no, now, no big deal. I mean, I remember when boys and girls didn't swim together. Now it don't matter. Now they got the girls out there in their bikinis that look like their underwear and the boys out there in their shorts. It don't matter none. But I want you to read here this. Like I said, I used to real think highly of myself. But I think highly of the Lord who kept me from these things. See, I was kind of Pharisee-like on these things. But I want you to look here, and if you find somebody, if you have somebody who drinks, or you know somebody who does, or they're a drunkard, or whatever they be, I want you to understand this. I'm not talking about church members, I'm talking about sinners. Don't expect anything from sinners but sin. Why would you? But, and let, let's read this verse. Verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous. That's what we were, right? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. See, he lops them in right there with the unrighteous, doesn't he? He said they're right there. So if you see somebody like that, and this is how they are, guess what? They're a sinner. Well, what is our duty to them? Preach the gospel unto every creature. I don't mean I got to partake in their sin. That doesn't mean I have to go and join myself unto them in their sins. 
or be like them. That doesn't mean I have to agree with their sins. I can say, no, I don't agree with this. Here's why. Here's what the Scriptures say. Which means I have to be, as Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, I have to be ready to give an answer, don't I? But I want you to observe here in the next verse, it says, verse 11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You see, those Corinthians used to be some of these things. Some of them were these things, but then they were changed, they were washed, they were uh, uh, sanctified, they were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. The Gospel changed them. The power of God changed them and made them new creatures in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not the unpardonable sin. The reason we are abstaining from it is because God said so. God can tell us what to drink. He can tell us what to eat. He told Israel what to eat and drink, didn't he? And we say, here's what scriptures say, and we are sanctified. We are set apart unto him. We're not going to do this because we don't want to be have our, our testimony or our influence as a child of God, as a member of the Bible Baptist Church, as a member of his kind of a church, his church hindered in giving our witness and testimony unto others. And you know, we could put a whole lot of things up in here too. We could put tobacco. We could put other drugs. You know, cocaine, pot, a fentanyl. I mean, we could put a number of things, but we could put pornography. There are a lot of things that could be added here, couldn't we? I'm sure we'd come up with a number of things. See, this is this is the original, you know, church covenant, and people might say, "Well, all it says is to abstain from sale, use intoxicating drinks, so I can use marijuana." I got glaucoma, I can use marijuana. It's medicinal now. Do you know that you can use the oil and not get high? You can use the extracted oil from it and not have the THC and not get high and get the medicinal properties of it. But people say, oh, it's medicinal. They just want to get high. That's like the kids up at Colorado University, you know, in the middle of the third quarter, whenever it is, that whole stadium smells like skunk. Because it's all legal there. They're just up in the stadium smoking. I don't care.
Well, it helps me. Well, if you want something to help you, then why don't you repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Why don't you do that? But here's the reality. When we look at folks, <clears throat> we need to distinguish if you're saved, you need to do it because you've been set apart by God. So I'm going to abstain from things because and remember what Paul said. We've been studying this. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He's your Lord. He's your master. And he tells you what to do in his word. Abstain from the appearance of evil. If what I'm doing in his word he says not to, I've got to abstain from it. I realize that everybody has the same convictions as I do. You have to get your convictions from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I don't expect you to get them from me because if something happens to me, well, there goes your convictions. You're going to have to study the Word of God. I know a lot of people say, well, where do you go out to eat? Where they don't have liquor. Well, your, your choices are limited. I do just fine. I do just fine. And God blesses. We don't hurt for food. Not one bit. But we've, we've engaged to do this. And God... I believe God will bless. You read, I think it's Jeremiah 37. Let me turn over there real quick. Tremendous fellow. I'm sorry. Jeremiah 35. The obedience of the Rechabites. You read Jeremiah 35. See how God blessed a family who abstained from drinking intoxicating beverages. How God blessed them. Boy, I tell you what. And so I pray the Lord will help us. Pray that it will help us that we won't be, won't take it too far. And Take it into the Lord's Supper because it has no place there. And I pray the Lord will help us that we'll be able to live, as he says in his word, sanctified unto him. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Again, it's been good to be here.